When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. And I'm your BFF. And this week, you are my BFF. We're returning uh, to our discussion on archetypes in DQ games. And for the second episode on archetypes, we're going to focus on the booniest of all boon companions. Oh, me! The best friend. Yes, best friends. We're going to be talking all about best friends in today's episode but before we get into all of that good booney boon companions <laughs> booney like boon. daniel boon companions yes exactly i'm a davy crockett man myself i grew up in <laughs> lawrenceburg tennessee yes i did <laughs> we got a but statue for, that's true. we got a statue of davy crockett and this is way off subject but did you grow up watching the disney uh davy crockett movies all the time yes i did the live action ones yeah, me too. I have super fond memories uh, of those movies. Yes. And I remember not liking the, the, there was like a river pirate one. Oh, I vaguely recall that one. It was Davy Crockett and his little sidekick. It was the guy who invented the, the buoy knife. Oh, I can't remember his name. I don't name. remember his name. But there is, uh, Void and Katie actually did uh, part of their Disney Forever podcast on those Davy Crockett movies. And I don't think they hold up from when we're, chi- I haven't listened to them, but I've, I've watched the discussion about them uh, go on in Slack. And so I'm not going to listen to those those podcasts about them because I know they're going to ruin my childhood. Like, like the memories I have of these being these great, great movies that I would rent all the time. But for those of you who are curious about what we're talking about, they're on Disney Plus and you can listen to the Disney Forever podcast about these wonderful, wonderful uh, Davy Crockett movies. Yeah, I thought they were good. And oh, I, I loved them when I was a kid. I think, too, it depends on the audience. Like, I would say, for those who don't know, Fess Parker, by the way, played Davy Crockett in these movies. The thing with them is I feel like it's very much catered to a Western audience because Disney made these movies in, like, the 50s. You're right. So it was, it was when Westerns were really popular on TV. So I don't know Void and Katie super well, but I feel like neither one of them really likes Westerns all that much. That's true. So I think that may be why they didn't like it. I don't necessarily think, I mean, it's not high cinema or anything. You're not going to watch it and be like, oh man, Fess Parker deserved an Oscar for wearing wearing that coonskin cap. No, it's not like that, but it is, I I think it's a, I think they're good movies. And I think, I think they're fun movies. It's kind of like the, the older Swiss Family Robinson Disney movie. Ooh, that's hard for me to watch. Really? See, I, I still think that one's pretty good. For whatever reason, I grew up watching those movies. I really like them. And so I think for fans of Westerns, and and I actually really love Westerns, especially Westerns from that period. You know, that's why I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood so much, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Right. um, Is because so much of that is, uh, by the way, Jim Bowie is the dude that invented the Bowie knife. I just, it just clicked with me in my head. Uh, But (laughs) for whatever reason, Quentin Tarantino uh, directly led me to Jim Bowie. But 
I think that I really like that kind of stuff. You know, even in last week's right. episode, I was talking about watching Mr. Ed and like old yep. westerns with my grandpa on a Stars Western. So I think if you like that kind of stuff, uh, then you'll still like Davy Crockett. Oh, I think it holds up. I'm going to defend it. This whole episode shouldn't have started off with me launching a defense against Disney Davy Crockett. In defense of Disney's Davy Crockett series. But it did. That's exactly what this episode has become already. But we are going to talk about Dragon Quest BFFs at some point. You're the you're the Jim Bowie to my Davy Crockett. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I'm I'm I know Davy Crockett. And I'm no Davy Crockett. <laughs> you, sir, are no Davy Crockett. I actually do have a coonskin cap, though. Me too. It's in a box in my storage unit. Yeah, I feel like every kid who grew up in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, which, by the way, claims Davy Crockett as as like his hometown. Like, there's Davy Crockett National Park and everything there, and it's where BJ and I both grew up. So, I think everybody, because they have Croc- Davy Crockett days at that park, and you go around and like they sell the coonskin caps there mm-hmm. and everything. I feel yep. like every, I feel like everybody in that town there's like probably what fifty thousand people that live like in the county probably yeah so i would say there's at least fifty thousand coonskin caps floating around yes <laughs> it's just a part of it and to this day i don't know if mine is actual raccoon skin or fake raccoon skin and i don't want to find out one way or the other yeah i think mine is most certainly fake i mean it doesn't it doesn't I mean, it's fluffy and it holds up, it's held up so well over the years that feels definitely more like a stuffed animal kind of like raccoon thing right? than, than what an actual, because my dad was a hunter. So we had like all these taxidermied animals in my house growing up. Um, My mom made him relegate them all to one room because she didn't want like deer heads hanging in every room in the house. But he had like a den that had all of these like taxidermied animals and it definitely feels different than like a stuffed animal. That's true. My coonskin's cat definitely feels more like a stuffed animal. I think I would feel guilty if it were made from a real raccoon. That's why I don't want to know. That's why oh, okay, I'm just like, it would it, make, make me feel bad. So either way, I'm okay with it right now. It's a Schrodinger's coonskin cat where <laughs> it's sitting in a box in there and it might be alive or, or it might be real and it might be fake. And it's kind of both at the same time. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Back to Dragon Quest. That's what we were doing here. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who forgot, we were talking about Dragon Quest. This is a Dragon Quest podcast. Uh, we do have a new uh, Patreon patron, actually, this week, uh, who needs a real nice thank you from BJ. And that is Matt uh, Ryback. Matt, 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 Ryback. Hey, thank you. Yeah, so thanks to Matt and to all of our new and old patrons like seriously i'm just overwhelmed by our patrons like yeah like every every time i get an email saying we have a new patron it's a nice pleasant surprise and it always catches me off guard right and like i just it's incredible the number of people that we have who are willing to support this podcast so if you're one of our patrons if you've ever been one of our patrons just thank you so much like we love you guys and y'all are all awesome it's true uh, I'm assuming you're coming up for Christmas, and you've already bought Tornico for us to play together uh, using Patreon money, and uh, so I'm assuming that more playthroughs like that are coming as well because of y'all, because y'all support us and give us the opportunity to do this kind of thing. So thank you. Yeah. So what is a best friend archetype? Let's kind of get that out of the way just in case people right. don't know the kind of archetype we're talking about. Do you want to explain that to everybody? I feel like I've been talking an awful lot. Okay, so 
without being one of those uh, pseudo intellectual douche guys <laughs> uh, that I absolutely hate. If if you've heard of you know the the Joseph Campbell uh, monomyth stuff, like one of the things that that every story has, basically every story from the beginning of storytelling has is you have the hero and then you have their boon companion. Like you have this sidekick uh, person who is a complement to all of the things that the main hero does not possess on their own. Like they're like when you think about Batman and Robin, like Batman gets over uh, way in over his head, and then you have the Robin, the more reasonable one, coming in and be like. I told you not to do that, Bruce. And that's really what all kinds of boon companions are. That's what these BFFs are. And even in RPGs, you have that a lot. Like almost every single one of them, there is some character that is going to be able to look at the hero and be like, I told you not to do that. That was a bad idea. Or support them no matter what. Like they're the ones they can rely on uh, in the hardest of times when people give up when everyone else abandons them there's that one person there's that samwise Gamgee who is like i'll carry you mr frodo he'll carry you up mount doom when you need him to but he's also not afraid to be like you moron Gollum is obviously bad <laughs> yeah exactly that yeah. that and that's what we're talking about that that dragon quest has its fair share of those most rpgs do yeah so for dragon quest uh, let's talk about those BFFs in early games. In Dragon <laughs> Quest, <laughs> what's up? I, I was just thinking about the first Dragon Quest because you're solo. You're completely solo in Dragon Quest. Uh, I would say your sword is really your BFF in that game because without it, you die. With it, you still die, but less so. And I would say that you definitely rely on the sword to be your best friend. Now, it doesn't really fit into the archetype, but if we're just purely looking to find a, a best friend for our hero <laughs> right? in the first game, I mean, a sword is a man's best friend, right? <laughs> no. Um, no, it's it's one of those weird things that, that falls into one of those weird, uh, weird elements of storytelling where you don't have all of the archetypes. It's a very archetypal story, but you don't have all the archetypes coming in because of technological constraints. Like the story itself isn't that fleshed out because it's hero goes to uh, save princess from dragon, which even in those stories, Stories. Even in like Beowulf doing stuff like that, you have Hrothgar. Even in uh, like things like Sleeping Beauty, Prince Charming has his horse. Like things like this. And then with this one, you've got a sword, maybe the king who saves your game. It's like technology just wouldn't let you have a best friend in this game. Yeah, and the same the same thing really applies to Dragon Quest Two. You have the Prince of Canic and you have the Princess of Moonbrook, who definitely serve as the hero's boon companions. But it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily feel like one of them is like your best friend. You know what I mean? Like they're just kind of there because they're functioning as just like extensions of the hero. Like they all just kind of have different abilities that really all just turned into the hero in Dragon Quest one. Yeah. <laughs> like kind not, of. And because they're lacking in personalities in a lot of ways, uh, especially compared to like later entries. I Like, I don't know if DQ two really, has like that best friend at best i think we're looking at the coffin being there all the time for you <laughs> just like, dragging it one thing all the time. one thing that you can rely on in dragon quest 2 that coffin is always going to be there for you thick and thin yeah 
Dragon Quest Three, though, interestingly enough, doesn't give you a BFF, but you can make three of your own. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite things about like Dragon Quest Nine when we were talking about it doing our deep dive was that in Dragon Quest Nine, I felt a connection to these characters because I made them. I gave them personalities in my head based on their their classes and their names from where I pulled them from other stuff that I'd done in the past. So three is kind of the same way. I named them after uh, stuff like characters in my books and stuff like that and other characters I've made in video games. So they felt more like besties than the Prince of Kanak and the Princess of Moonbrook ever have. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Dragon Quest Four. It's when you finally get to like characters that have names and you have like a, a bigger party, more focus on story, things like that. It really happens with Dragon Quest Four. Although interestingly enough, despite having a pretty large cast, there's not really one of the playable characters that functions in the role of your BFF in the game. I think it's because of the way the game is divided up into chapters. Right. You know, where like Elena and Kirill kind of have that that bestie mentality in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, was that that within those chapters, characters have that. Like Elena and Carol, and even Boria is there, and he is going to be there for that princess no matter what. Yeah, Mina and Maya, you know, yeah. function as each other's sister and BFF. But just in terms of purely the hero, the hero doesn't really get that kind of, doesn't get a Samwise Gamgee in, nope. in four. Uh, the character... Eliza, isn't that her name? It's your you have a childhood friend at the mm, beginning of yeah. the game. I believe her name is Eliza. That's in the village. She's as established very early on as the hero's BFF. Yeah. But I mean, she doesn't like follow you around the world or anything like that. Which actually kind of surprised me. I figured that she would come into play more often. Yeah, so it's very much it feels a lot like, you know, Frodo went off to destroy the ring. And Sam stays in the Shire to garden. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does teach you how to morph at one point. That that you go back to the village and she teaches you how to morph, I think, into monsters, where you have to use it later in the game. Or am I remembering a different game? Where uh, that's where she teaches you an ability you have to have to go for the rest of the game. So it's she's important for sure, just not kind of uh, the one that follows you along on your adventure. Yeah, well, no, okay, spoilers for Dragon Quest Four. Eliza dies in DQ4. Like, she sacrifices herself to get the hero out of there whenever S Sorrow's monsters are attacking. Oh, yeah. Huh, then what am I thinking of? Yeah. Uh, I don't it remember is, what I'm thinking of. It's been a while since I've played Four, and I can't remember whenever we were talking about it for our uh, deep dive episodes, but I believe you can bring her back to life uh, in the post game. If I'm remembering correctly, I think she's one of the because the post game changes so much of the story and brings back yeah. uh, several characters who have died. I believe Eliza is one of those that is revived by the end of four. Um, but either way, I mean, so I guess let me back up my metaphor here. So it's like Frodo goes on to destroy the ring because a ring wraith cut off Sam's head in the shot. <laughs> <laughs> so the real BFFs start happening in Dragon Quest five, I would say. Right. Uh, first of all, you get Harry. Now, Harry, he's uh, this snot-nosed brat when you meet him. He's this spoiled prince, and he tricks you as a kid. <laughs> he's <just, laughs> he, he's kind of hard to be around. But, you know, after like a decade in slavery together, uh, it kind of brings him down a notch. I mean, 
he he decides that he can be your best friend. You know, it really does bring him down more down to earth. And so, you know, you guys are in, you guys are slaves together for like a decade. So, I mean, that really does bond people. <laughs> it would. I, I mean, I have no firsthand experience of that, but I mean, you and I worked at the learning center for a long time together and that bonded us. <laughs> yes. That was almost like jail. <laughs> it, was in a, it was in a dungeon. We didn't have windows. That's true. It was underground and there were no windows. There were, there were orcs <laughs> who, <laughs> who guarded us outside. <laughs> And we both escaped by hiding in barrels. <laughs> it, it was weird, but we had barrels and a river. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels here now that you think about it. And you do play as Harry briefly, but I mean, Harry is a playable character in five. And okay. so I think I think Harry fits that role early on. And then Saber, of course. I mean, a man's best right. friend is a Saber cat. So he he kind of has that it's almost like a you know it's like a man and his dog kind of thing it's like travels with charlie it's like yeah. you know it's the hero and his pet and the pet functions as a best friend and then later on kind of like in real life uh your wife becomes your best friend oh but it's true like, it's like true. it really is <laughs> yeah and so depending on which bride you choose in that game that person functions as your bff in dragon quest 5 for the rest of the game I uh, also want to throw out Sancho and, and Pancras because Sancho is a BFF archetype if there ever was one. I mean, I mean, he's so loyal to Pancras, you know, that he even like raises Pancras's grandchildren yeah. <laughs> without being asked. <laughs> I mean, he's named after one of the the great all time boon companions and BFFs, Sancho Panza from Don Quixote. And I mean, there is no way he is not like the BFF archetype. You don't, you don't get more BFF than Samwise and Sancho, which yeah, I, I mean, would love as a like buddy cop movie. Oh my gosh. I would watch that movie. that would be, that'd be great. Let's write that fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think even Sancho, even later on, you know, he's even, he even looks a lot like, like Samwise Gamgee in that he has this big, you know, backpack full of stuff mm -hmm. that, and he's always there. He's like cooking and serving, you know, it's kind of like the, the servant master dynamic that Frodo and Sam have in those yep. books uh, gets repeated here. I mean, his pack, if you've ever noticed, uh, like in drawings of Sancho, even his pack is like reinforced with like two by fours. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is a massive uh, undertaking for him to bring around. Yeah, it's it's just, it's incredible. Which brings us to Dragon Quest VI and one of my personal favorites, Carver. Carver is a carpenter's son. He is super muscular and he is about as smart as a bag of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Smart. It's, it's did. glass half full kind of mentality. He is not the brightest uh, bulb in the tool shed knife drawer, but he he's kind of... But he's your BFF. I mean, he's your friend. You meet him very early on. He means well. And he's much more oafish than a lot of the uh, Dragon Quest BFFs you see, especially uh, in these l later games that we're going to be talking about. But he's lovable and he's always there. I mean, he's willing to do whatever is necessary to help you out. And he's also, he doesn't tell you like it is. He's missing that part of the best friend mentality. But it's because he's not smart, so he tells you like it is, but it's because he's simple. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
mean, see, really, I look forward to playing this game. Like I have played just the very beginning of Dragon Quest six. So I've never gotten into the actual like main story of this game. And so I look forward to it because everything I've seen and heard about Carver makes me think I'm going to latch on to him like you have. But I don't really know that character yet. He's in Dragon Quest Heroes too. You right, like there, I've right? seen him in that one, yeah, but okay. I don't like know him like from the, in the narrative of Six. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I enjoy Carver a lot. I know I've said it before, but I mean I like Dragon Quest Six a lot more than most people in the fandom do. So for whatever reason, maybe it's because I like DQ Six so much, but Carver just has always stood out to me as not only a, a good, you know, best friend archetype, but just as one of my favorite characters in DQ, like, overall. Yeah, I mean, I can totally see it. Yeah, so we still have to talk about a lot of the later games, including Dragon Quest Seven, which brings us, actually, surprisingly, Dragon Quest Seven is a good place to stop because it has to do with our shameless self-promotion this week. It's true, our shameless promotion. So, Sorry, I did not mean to cut you off. No, you're good. <laughs> on your I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> so we would like to announce that we are partnering up with our friends at the Nerdberg Review. We've mentioned their podcast several times on the show before because they've done some Dragon Quest things on there in the past. But we're partnering up with them to do a Dragon Quest play along. It's like the Woo! first time we've ever done this. Uh, Todd, who's one of the co-hosts over there, brought it up to us. It was all his idea. It sounded awesome. So we're like, yeah, let's do it. So Todd and Alenzia over at the Nerdberg Review they're going to be doing some DQ7 stuff as well. We're going to be mentioning it from time to time on the show, but then like three months from now, we're going to be doing deep dive episodes all on Dragon Quest Seven. We've done deep dives on four and nine in the past. Our next deep dive will be over Dragon Quest Seven. But yep. before we get to all that, we wanted to do like a play along. So Todd and Alenzia have not played Seven before. So they're going to be playing it for the very first time. Uh, I've played it twice now, once this year. But I got to be honest with you, I think I'm going to boot it up again just for like the sake of camaraderie. Really? Yeah. And just play through it. I don't know if I'll get to the end of it all again, but like while everybody else is playing it, like I kind of want to be playing along. I did not expect that. I don't know. I just. You should do the PS1 version. Yeah. I've actually thought about that because I haven't made it far in the PS1 version before. Right. So yeah, that's kind of my thinking is that I'll play the PS1 version. Uh, this time because i don't have my ps1 down here but my ps3 will play it okay yeah so yeah so i can easily play the ps1 version and that's kind of what i was thinking about so we want you guys to get in on this so we're announcing it way in advance here because it is a long game which is why we're you know giving like a three three and a half month period here to play it but we do want to invite anybody who wants to play along with us to Play along. You can play the 3DS version, PS1 version, play them both. We don't care. Whatever you want to play, play it. And then from time to time, we'll be talking about updates with where we are in the game right now. Because BJ's been playing it. He hasn't right. beaten it yet. So this is kind of the kick in the tail he needs to get him <laughs> to get him over the finish line here. I get distracted from 7 so easily because of the structure of it. So I'm looking forward to this to be able to to move along. Because I get through with an episode and I'm like, okay, I'll do something else now. So you're going to be beating it. So anybody who wants to play along with us, you got plenty of time to do it. It's a pretty laid back affair. I mean, we're just going to be talking about updates with where we stand on it over time. Uh, my other podcast, JRPGs and Me, I'm going to do an episode on Dragon Quest Seven uh, on the or Dragon Warrior Seven, really, right? 
if you're doing the PS1 version, yep. Yeah, on there. So you can expect some stuff from there. From time to time on my Dragon Quest blog, I'll be talking about 7 even more than I already have on there. And so it's really just kind of a cool way to bring in all this different content and celebrate Dragon Quest 7 because, I mean, it is the 20th anniversary of that game. So that's kind of why we were leaning towards doing that one this year. Right. And I'm really excited. Uh, make sure that you guys go check out the Nerdberg review. They're a part of geek to geek media, just like us. Uh, they're a new addition. They are a fantastic podcast. And we know we've mentioned them a lot before, but it's because they're great Dragon Quest fans. Uh, they've done a lot of Dragon Quest Builders 2 content. And uh, if you go look at their archives, you're going to see a lot of DQ content. So even though they're not a uh, Dragon Quest specific podcast, they do a lot of it, and we think you guys will uh, really like them, too. Yeah, and we also, if you're doing this, please tag us on Twitter with this. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. Uh, for Nerdberg Review, it's just at Nerdberg Review. So tag us in stuff. Let us know how you're coming along with Dragon Quest Seven because we're going to be sharing our updates in the game, and we want you guys to share your updates in the game with us. So even if you've never played it before, or if you've played it like a hundred times, feel free to join us. We'd love to have you along for the ride. <laughs> it's true. Also, can't mention shameless self-promotion without <laughs> mentioning that I have, I have a new post up uh, on Dragon Quest Slimes that I wrote this week on Screen Rant uh, that's kind of tracing the history of the slime all the way from you know its first appearance in 1986, Toriyama designing it, all of that kind of stuff, up through, you know, Rocket Slime spinoffs, it getting, you know, being a part of the monument there in Japan. I mean, just all of this stuff. I thought it was a cool way to celebrate slimes. I had a ton of fun writing it. Uh, so I'm going to mention that here. We'll link to it in the notes and you guys can check it out there because uh, I had fun writing it and I hope uh, you enjoy reading it as well. And the more people who read it, the more Dragon Quest stuff you get to write about for work. So, hey, plus for everybody. That's true. Win, win, win. So getting back into the episode today on Dragon Quest BFFs. We were at Dragon Quest Seven, So let's talk for a minute about one of the best, best friends in the entire Dragon Quest series, which is Kiefer from Dragon Quest Seven. And I... Okay, there's going to be spoilers in our DQ7 stuff here. So for those of you who have not played it and don't want to know some things, just kind of uh, forward until we get to DQ8. Um, but for Dragon Quest Seven here, talking about Kiefer, I was so angry at this game because I like Kiefer so much. Yeah. They remove him from your party at one point, and I think it's going to be a temporary thing. And then the next area you go into and you find his tombstone from where he stays in the past and leads a happy, fulfilling life. And I'm like, that wasn't with me, you sorry piece of garbage. <laughs> and I was so mad and sad. I'm like, how, how could this game do this to me? And it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was bad. Like, I don't like them for doing that to me. For me, the thing about Kiefer is that initially I did not like Kiefer very much. Right. He was definitely that pompous kind of prince, kind of like mm -hmm. Harry in five. And I didn't really like him too much. But then over time, you really start to like this character. And because seven is such a long game, you spend anywhere from like a dozen to probably 20 hours with Kiefer. Right. Which is probably where I was at probably about 20. 
Okay, cool. I was, I think on my first playthrough, I was around 15, 16 hours. And on my second playthrough this last time, I was right around like 11 or 12. Okay. But, you know, I mean, as a second playthrough, I was yeah. getting through stuff faster. The whole thing with that is that you really start caring for Kiefer. And then right as you like really, really like him, he just leaves. Yep. He, he just decides, oh, I'm done with adventuring. I'm in love. And here's the thing with it. It's very bittersweet because he falls in love with this woman in the past. He decides to stay there with her. He never really wanted to be a prince and a king to begin with. This kind of gives his life importance. And you find out that, you know, he's had like all these children uh, later on. All of his, some of his descendants have become really important heroes. I mean, there's just all this stuff with Kiefer that's really important to the overall story, even though he's not there anymore. And, you know, he did seem to lead a very long, happy, fulfilling life. So he gets a happy ending, but because you're in the present, he's dead already. Yeah. So you're sitting there and like, when I saw this grave, I'm like, oh man, Kiefer ain't coming back. And I remember texting you and be like, they killed Kiefer. What? That, 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 that sucks. I will say that I I don't want to spoil it for BJ either, but I will say that the ending of seven has a really nice uh, Kiefer related moment. Oh, good. That is one of my favorite parts of the game. And even the first time I played it, I was like, I had to fan myself a little bit to keep myself from crying. (laughs) That's a brief exaggeration, but it is very sweet and sad. And it just, it really, it really hits you, you know? And so, so that's an ending that you can look forward to. People who haven't played the game yet can look forward to that. I'm not going to spoil in today's episode. We'll talk about it whenever we do the deep dive episodes on Dragon Quest VII, like a few months from now. And we can't we can't talk about DQ7 BFFs without talking about Maribel. And Maribel is from your village, like you've known her your entire life, and she starts out as this really horrible, like annoying, just just terribly uh, annoying, just awful character. And like those are the only words that I can use to describe her because she's awful and annoying. And over the course of this adventure, like playing this game. I really, really like Maribel. Like, of the characters who stay with you, yeah, I would much prefer Kiefer, but I really like Maribel and Party Chat and the story, like, just everything that she does. I I am... I, I'm on Team Maribel now. <laughs> and see, I was actually thinking... I think of her as more of, like, the woman warrior archetype, which I know we're talking about next week. So, to me, Kiefer fits the archetype of the best friend more. Whereas Maribel is that like strong female warrior type character. I could see that. She's like tough as nails. She can, she is, she can handle herself. So that, that's kind of where I was on the, on the Maribel spectrum. Let's talk about Dragon Quest (laughs) eight. Yangus. Yangus. He calls you gov. He gives you your own nickname. That's how, that's how much you, he's your BFF. He gives you your own nickname. Well, and also he is the kind of that boon companion with King Trode as well. That that he's there together whenever they, uh, whenever you meet them, and it's uh, kind of like that master servant BFF dynamic as well. But they're not going to be separated. Mm-hmm. So Yangus, you know, I mean, he's a thief. He sticks with you because you save his life. So thick as thieves. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and so. So the dynamic there with Yangus is is pretty interesting and a little bit different because it's not like Kiefer where you grew up with your best friend. It's not even 
like like Harry, really, where it's like a, a frenemy kind of situation yeah. where you become friends over time. It's just kind of like a it's like a Han and and Chewie type situation. That's true. It is. You're best friends now because one of you saved the other one. So Yangus owes a Wookiee life debt <laughs> to, <laughs> That's to, true. to King Trode and, and the hero in DQ8. And what is the, I can't remember the hero's uh, mouse. Uh, Munchie. 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 Munchie is also included in this. Like I've said, Prince Charming's horse. We've talked about uh, saber cats. You know, the, the, the mouse in your pocket is always going to be your best friend. Yeah. Also, spoilers for DQ8, I guess. But you know that's your grandpa, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. For some reason... It goes right into Rab. For some reason, I don't think of family members as being, like, as fitting into the BFF archetype. Because to me, it's like they're family, so they have to help out. (laughs) It's true. The thing that makes it a best friend archetype is the choice. That's true. I feel like family kind of takes choice out of it because so so many times it's like, oh, I have to help you because we're brothers. Whereas with a friend thing, it's like, I don't have to help you, but I want to because we're best friends and I love you. Kind of thing. Right. That's true. The chosen family thing is really big in terms of this, uh, this kind of boon companion archetype. Yeah. Which brings us over to Dragon Quest IX. Stella, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I don't like... <laughs> I don't like Stella. I know a lot of people like Stella a lot. I like Stella. She's one of my least favorite characters in Dragon Quest just overall. I can't stand her. Uh, but I guess, really, she is your BFF. Yeah, I mean, she is literally your guardian there, like, sent to help you out and retain, uh, get back to uh, being a Celestrian. And she is absolutely filling that spot i think like even later in the game when you get separated from her she's super sad and does what she can to get you back i think even though i don't like stella i think she fits into that archetype and what's the big gruff dude they're the big uh muscular train conductor's name i can't remember old fat guts uh sterling is his real name sterling yeah old Old fat Fat guts is also there and again there's the dynamic between old fat guts and stella as being kind of those uh boon companions too yeah just so we don't repeat ourselves too much we do talk about stella and old fat guts a whole lot more when we did our deep dive into dragon quest nine so if you haven't listened to those episodes and you want us to go into stella and old fat guts even more than please check out those episodes because we talk about them a whole lot more uh, in there. <laughs> and then there's Dragon Quest 10. Dragon Quest 10, I mean, you make friends along the way, but it's an MMO, so it's kind of like your your best friends are real friends in the real world. Yeah, it's uh, you never carry NPCs along with you for very long in an MMO. But with DQ10 and other stuff like that, you're you're looking at at your real friends. I mean, Ryan Molina is your BFF in DQ10. <laughs> That's true. Ryan Molina is like everybody's BFF in DQ10. It's true. DQ10, yeah. If you're playing DQ10 and you're not friends with Ryan Molina yet, uh, you should be. It's because... true because he fits the BFF archetype in <laughs> DQ10. <laughs> he does. He's, he's willing to help you out. So, um, yeah. So because of the nature of Dragon Quest X, the BFF role kind of goes to people in the real world, even though there are NPCs and characters that you meet along the way in Dragon Quest X that become your friend. Right. They, don't fit, they don't fit that typical best friend, boon companion role like you would expect to experience in like a video game or a book or a movie or whatever. 
which then, though we can't end today's episode without talking about the best bestie who ever bested, uh, and that would be Eric from Dragon Quest XI. Yeah. I mean, he 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 sat in jail for years waiting on you to show up <laughs> because some weird person told him he should. Like, he is all in on helping you fulfill your destiny. Yeah, and we actually did an entire episode based on Eric in Dragon Quest XI. So, again, we don't want to repeat ourselves too much here, but definitely go check out that Eric episode if you haven't listened to it yet. But, yeah, I mean, Eric's whole thing is just... I mean, his entire shtick is to help out the Luminary in Dragon Quest yeah. Eleven, And, you know, as your party grows, I mean, he kind of functions as a BFF to everybody, really. Yeah. He definitely has that dynamic with Veronica as well. And so he's just kind of, you know, he's always there to help out his friends. And even his, even within his, his own like backstory there, uh, you, you find out that he was best friends with somebody and I can't remember his, uh, his thief friend's name when they found the red orb, they hid it and he goes back to find it after his time in jail. And he's like, Oh my goodness, my best friend betrayed me. And he goes and finds them out and it's like, well, he didn't actually betray me and immediately becomes friends with him again. It's like Eric puts friendship ahead of everything else, which is why you called him the best bestie who ever bested a best. (laughs) Yeah. And you can actually read some cool stuff with Eric and his friend Dirk. Dirk. That's it. Mm -hmm. It, There's a manga. I mean, it's in Japanese, uh, but it came out, you know, the V jump issue, which I, which I have, and I've taken scans of all of that. But Eric, that's just kind of his whole thing. Is he's always fitting into the the best friend role. He's he's uh he's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he is. But that's okay. Like that's one thing that I've learned about studying the the archetypes over the years in school is that all of these archetypes, none of these best friends, while it seems like they are less than in some way to the hero, they are absolutely integral to the story being told. Like there is no way that these heroes are going to succeed without these friends. That oh, yeah. The, that they are never in any way less than the hero. They're just always there serving a different purpose that the, the, there is usually that tragic flaw in the hero. There's always a flaw. I don't even like the term tragic flaw, even though that's the literary term. Like there's always a flaw in the hero in because they will screw up in some way. And the best friend is actually generally a better person than the hero themselves. Oh yeah. I mean, Luke would have totally got blown up in his X-Wing if Han hadn't come to save him in A New Hope. Oh, yeah. Ron Weasley and Hermione are the only reason Harry Potter didn't die when he was 11 years old. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the Luminary would still be rotting in jail if Eric weren't there and helping him escape. Being like, hey, dude, you want to get out of here? Like, the Luminary would be like, I don't know, I'm sitting here. Like, they think I'm the dark spawn. guess maybe I am. And... Actually, the Luminary would just silently stare at him and blink a couple of times. <laughs> That's true. And grunt a little bit. Go, ah. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Uh, remember, you can talk to us directly on Twitter at DragonQuestFM, Facebook.com slash DragonQuestFM. You can also find us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. If you want to talk to me directly on Twitter, you can totally do that. I'm at Dragon Quaston, and you can read my regular Dragon Quest blog. That is at DragonQuestAustin.com. 
And you can find me on Twitter as at Professor Beach. You can listen to my other podcast, the Geek to Geek podcast, uh, which releases every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at geek2geekcast.com or all of your favorite podcast places. Uh, you can check out all of the other cool content on our media network at geek2geekmedia.com, as well as enjoying our Slack and Discord servers by becoming a part of the community. We have a Patreon here at patreon.com slash dragonquestfm. And if you're still listening, the reason Austin and I are being BFFs is because at the very same time when he was still a student, someone said the term work that pole. And also I said, like a Russian immigrant at the same time, which is a quote from date night special features deleted scene. <laughs> and, with, and we were both like soulmates. Are we best friends now? It's like stepbrothers. And so if you're still listening, that's how we became boon companions. <laughs> Thanks everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye.